Amen. Come here, girls. Come here, girls. Come here. Come to Papa. I never got the opportunity as a young dad to dedicate my girls like you just saw. But I have dedicated them many times over to the Lord. And this is the blessing. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, older, older, they won't depart from the training that Patsy and Dusty raised them in. I know there's exceptions to that, but I'm telling you, I'm a blessed dad. And my wife's a blessed mom. And these are my girls. And I love them so much. I've been working with them. You see, I've been working with them. Amen. I love y'all. Thank y'all so much. Amen. Wow, I'm glad I got a chance to do that. That's my last baby dedication. My last one (laughs) here at Lindsay Lane is my last baby dedication. And so let me say this to this church. I am so grateful and I am so honored and privileged to be your pastor. But I'm grateful for a church that's caught the vision of not only reaching people for Christ, but also raising champions for Christ. Thank you, church. What you just saw, the baby dedication and And these new couples coming in, we have so many children. And you've caught the vision of reaching people for Christ, but also raising champions for Christ. And I'm grateful. You know, these kids are a lot smarter than we think they are. Amen? And we're raising them and training them here at Lindsay Lane alongside these parents. But kids are a lot smarter than we think they are. For instance, little Johnny, five years old, only five years old, asked his grandma, said, Grandma, how old are you? And she said, well, little Johnny, I, you know, I don't even know. I can't even remember anymore how old I am. He said, well, Grandma, all you got to do is look in the back of your panties. Because mine says I'm five to six. <laughs> Amen. They're smart. And then he went upstairs and began to pray. And his little brother Tommy was with him. And he said, dear God. I want a new bicycle for my birthday. And little Tommy said, listen, Johnny, you don't have to scream. God's not deaf. He said, I know, but Grandma is. Amen. So, <laughs> Amen. They're smart. These kids are smart. And I am very privileged today and honored to be able to speak today on dedicating in raising champions for Christ. And so, God has blessed us. Open your Bibles this morning. Let's begin with Psalms 127. Psalms 127. I've been speaking on these verses of Scripture you're going to hear for the first of this message for a long time. And, uh, and just about put them to memory. And so, God's blessed us here at Lindsay Lane. We have many baby dedications over the year here. You know what's neat? You know, you saw how we dedicated these babies today. Years ago, I dedicated some and married some of them. The same one I dedicated, I had the privilege of marrying them, giving them their high school, you know, recognizing them in high school, and then marrying some of those same babies. So God's blessed me here at Lindsay Lane. He really has. Psalms 127, and look for verse number 1. We visited this last week or so. Unless the Lord builds the house or the home... The house or the home, they labor in vain that build it. And all that's saying is, 
that you have to have the foundation right. These parents, as they dedicated these young babies, they got to have the foundation right, or they're not going to raise those kids right. If they don't have a godly home, if they don't have Christ in their lives, Christ in their home, then that's the foundation. So it says, unless the Lord builds the home, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And then look in verse number 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a gift from God. They really are. Whether you adopted children or where you're a foster parent or where you're a parent, God's given us, given us children, even here at Lindsay Lane. They're the fruit of the womb is a reward. They're a blessing. Children are a gift from God. They're a blessing from God. And so we need to remember that. And by the way, don't ever forget that our children belong to God. Do you know that? He can take them anytime he wants to. They're his. And by the way, I'm his. You're his. We're all his. He calls us children of God. And so he's our father. He's our father. He has a big house prepared for us one day. Amen. We're going to all live in the same house. Can you believe that? We have mansions, I guess, and I don't I don't stand all of that. But we're going to be in the same place, and that's a gift from God. Now, here's a, uh, here's a principle I want to share with you. It's on the screen. I want you to read it with me. We as parents and grandparents have a great responsibility to invest, nurture, and raise these children as the next generation of champions for Christ. Recognizing that they are truly a gift from God, being entrusted to us. Look at that. Being entrusted to us that we may instill in them the values, the morals, and principles that are taught from the Word of God. As soon as your children come to Lindsay Lane, they're being taught the Word of God. As soon as they're born, as soon as you bring them, they're going to be taught the Word of God. They're taught about Jesus Christ. And so that's what we do here at Lindsay Lane. We come alongside the home. We come alongside the parents and help you investing. Verse 4 says this. Look at verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, parent. You're the warrior. They're your arrows. And it says, blessed are those who have a quiver full of them, Right? And so it's awesome to see these parents and all of you who have children here at Lindsay Lane. And they are like arrows. And so uh, we get to do two things. We provide for our children the values they need. And then we protect our children. We provide for them, yes. And we nurture them. And then we protect them from the evils out there of the world. And try to help uh, shelter them as much as we can and protect them. Instilling in them so when they go from our nest. So when they blossom like a butterfly in a cocoon, when they graduate from that and they begin to spread their wings and go their way, you have trained them and taught them and nurtured them in the things of God. And so that's why I want to talk about this today. It's so important that we hear this message today in our generation that we raise our children in the admonition of the Lord. God stresses in His Bible, in the Word of God, He stresses that in each generation... He tells them to be mindful of their teaching and their training and raising up the next generation. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. First of all, on the screen, you don't have to turn there. You want to mark it down on your outline. But in Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. I preached on this not long ago. Listen to how God gives leadership and He instills in the children of Israel. As He led them out of Egypt, He's teaching them how to raise their children in the next generations to come. Now look what He says. Joshua the leader has just died. And look what Joshua, it's written in Judges. When all the generation that had been gathered to their fathers, that generation of Joshua, when they had died, 
There arose another generation after them that did not know the Lord and the work which he had done for Israel. Now watch this. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God of the Lord and served the Baals, false gods. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods, watch this, among the gods of the people. Not the God they've been taught about in the church. Not the God they've been taught about in Israel. Now they begin to follow the bells of the gods of those outside of God in the world. They begin to follow those. Now watch what he says. Those gods of the people who were all around them and they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. As I read that, it sounds so much like our society today in a lot of ways. You know, the Bible statistics say that 85% of high school graduates drop out of church. And they're, in, they're in, 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 embroidered and bombed, if you will, by those false teachings out there, the philosophies of professors and things like that when they get out there in the world. And so you better teach them while we have them. Amen? And so they're going to be bombarded. When they get out in that world, they're going to be bombarded by all types of theologies and religions and isms and all of those things. So it's imperative while we have them in our home, in our care, in our church, that we teach them the things of God. We see the failure of a previous generation that came out of Egypt, Joshua and Moses. When they died, this generation forsook God. They got away from the principles and the teachings and the precepts and the worldview, the biblical worldview that they had been taught in their, in their homes and as a people. Listen to what God said to Moses as he told Moses to instruct the children. Listen to what he says. And, and this is the Shema. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6. It's called the Torah, the Shema. He says this in verse 7 on the screen. You shall teach God's principles diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, constantly and consistently teaching them about the Lord. That's what he told Israel to do. Because there's coming a day they're going to they're going to be embar- in, 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 they're going to be uh, just really bombarded, if you will, by these other gods. So I want them to know me, the Lord God, Jehovah. Teach them. All the time, when you're with them, teach them about the Lord. That's what he's saying to us today, I believe. And by the way, when you read that, do you think God was serious about this? Do you think God was really serious about us as his children, teaching our children and grandchildren, the next generation, a biblical worldview about the things of God and the principles of God? And so we're witnessing today that a generation is kind of drifting away in in a sense from the teachings of the church and the teachings of our heritage. And so we've got to be mindful of that. We've got to be cognizant of that. And we've got to really pray and really seek the Lord how we're raising our children and our grandchildren. It's so imperative that we understand that. We must counteract the bales of this world in teaching our children a biblical worldview. We must do that. I thank God for Lindsay Lane Christian Academy and for others and our homeschool ministry and a co-op and all of those entities and ministries are helping come alongside of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church and our nursery and our children's ministries and all of these things that are helping pour into your children 
and my grandchildren and our children the things of God. That's why you need to be here. That's why you need to bring them to church. Not send them, but bring them to church. So you can help. We come alongside your home. And we're teaching values and principles that's going to stay with them when they exit these doors and when they get out there in the world and the bells of this world start bombarding them and the philosophies and all of those things. Listen, I could tell you so many stories from testimonies in this church of their children when they got out there, how they drifted away from God because of the pressure, because of Satan is alive and, and real. He's trying to destroy and kill God's children. And so we've got to do this. We've got to listen to this today. All right? And so I want you to listen to this quote. It's by Josh McDowell. It's in your outline today. It's in your outline. And I want to make a point and a principle about this quote that, it, that really, when I read it, it really jogged my heart. Now, watch what he says. Josh McDowell said, We have been so concerned with what our kids were tempted to do when we should have been concerned with what our kids are led to believe about what they're being taught. That is a good word. I want you to read it again. I'm going to read it to you on the screen. We have been so concerned with our kids, what they're tempted to do. But when we should have been concerned with what our kids were led to believe about what they're being taught. We're playing defense when we should be on the offense. See, here's the principle. In Colossians, it says, put on Christ, put off this and put off that, this, you know, this sin, put it off. But it all says, put on. We're more concerned with the put off than we are putting on. Amen? We got to teach our children, put into them, instill in them. And we're concerned about the defense too much and not the offense of what they're learning, what they're being taught at an early age. Well, I call this preventive care. We're in a mode as parents and grandparents in preventive care. What do you mean by that, Pastor? It means uh, that we're trying to protect our children and counteract our society with the influences of the ideologies and the, and the teachings uh, I hope my teenage girl doesn't get pregnant. hope they don't drink too much. hope they don't smoke weed or do drugs or get hooked on violent, vulgar video games. And don't make bad grades. Don't be lazy. Work hard and get a scholarship. See, that's defense. That's the defense. That's the putting off. Oh, I hope they don't do this. I hope they don't do that. Well, what about offense? What, what are they learning here at Lindsay Lane? What are they learning in your home? What are they learning at school? What are they putting in or putting on? Not what they're tempted to put off, but what's happening to them in these early stages. And that's the question. Are we counteracting with defense with a strong offense, the root of the matter? In other words, what's the offense? What are they thinking? What are they watching? What are they learning? What's consuming their minds? What habits are they absorbing? What are they learning at school? What are they learning on the playground, at the locker, at study hall, in classroom, at home? And by the way, what are they learning at church? In this 
early stage. What are they learning? What are these little infants going to be doing in, say, a year, two years, three years, four years from now? What are they going to be learning here at Lindsay Lane? What are they learning in your home? What are they putting in before you get so concerned about them putting off those things I mentioned? So you've got to be concerned about what's going in. What are they being taught? What are they learning? Do we even care what they learn in Awana? Do we even care what they learn at BBS? Do we even really care about what they're learning in the student ministry, in their D group? Are we concerned about those type of things that they're involved in in learning? That's going to really reap effects later on and help them in their daily walk outside these walls when they get out there with the bells of the world. Are we concerned about their spiritual growth, their spiritual education, their biblical worldview at a young age? What are they learning now? What are we teaching them at home? I know that hurts to hear that sometimes, but it's true. It really is true. And so don't miss this. The message we're sending when we don't teach and train our children at an early age, a biblical worldview, is this. That the church and God become irrelevant. If we stress spiritual growth, if we stress youth ministry, VBS, Christian education, if we stress those things, it becomes relevant to their life. But when we don't do that, we don't really get involved in what they're doing at church, then it becomes irrelevant to them. Church becomes irrelevant. And they're dropping out by the scores. Because it's just not relevant to my life. It wasn't a big concern in our home. It wasn't a big concern of us going to church and learning in these entities we've mentioned. And when we don't do that, we fail to train them up in the way of the Lord. And it's on my heart today. I really want to help you. This message is a help message to help our parents and, and help me and you as grandparents and parents to really get involved in our children's spiritual growth and their biblical worldview and see, the problem is this at each stage. For instance, I'm going to show you this very quickly. Let me walk through this, Daniel. Number one, there's different stages of children. First of all, when they're born. By the way, we just saw that. We're going to dedicate our child to the Lord. We're going to get that certificate, that little New Testament, and I'm going to go up there, and we're going to dedicate little Junior, little Susie, to the Lord when they're born. Amen? That's great. I'm glad they do that. Now, next stage. Number two, they're toddlers. Now they're kind of over there in the nursery, they're over there, and those little two-year-olds, they come up here at We Praise. Isn't it awesome when parents come? By the way, the church is full when we have those kind of things. <laughs> Just saying. Anyway, those little kids come up here, and everybody, you know what happens? Everybody sits on the front row then. <laughs> We're normally on the back. But when the kids come, they're on the front row. And, see, and that's great that you're doing that. They're your toddlers. They're your little children. And then the third stage is this. They're children. Now watch this, around 5 to 11 years old, they're starting getting involved in WANA and their Sunday school class and the little things here, Praise 56 and all those kind of things here at the church that we have for our children and, and uh, kids camp, these kind of trips, uh, even mission type trips for our kids and boy, they're learning stuff at Lindsay Lane and man, they're growing at Lindsay Lane. And then watch this, watch the next stage, uh-oh, uh-oh. Middle school, 12 to 15. And by the way, this is when it starts happening. They get distracted. 
the culture, the world out there has so many stuff for them. And we're involved in all those things outside there. And they're in this and they're in that. They're traveling with this and traveling with that. And they're involved in so many things away from the church. And Satan sees to it that you're distracted and pulled away from the church. And from the home. From the table in the evenings. That's his plan. He's trying to distort the family. And we're getting caught up in it. And this is a crucial age right here. That middle school age. They need to be in these classes. They need to be in the youth group. They need to be a part of that trip. They need to be a part of that organization. They need to learn biblical worldview. Then the next steps, high school and then college. All those steps and all you're going to be involved in all of those parents. Some of you are already involved in number six, maybe the college stage. And you say, well, I tell you what, I hope my kid don't get involved in those drugs down there at the college. I hope they don't get involved in this. I hope they learn a biblical worldview. Now, at that stage, it should have happened in the toddler, in the children's stage. That's where they're developing a biblical worldview. That's where they're ingrained with the teachings of God's Word. It's in those early stages. In those impressionable stages where their little minds are absorbing all of this stuff. And then they begin to learn that and they grow into the youth group and they're part of those things. And, and then all of those things begin to help them in later years. And then you don't have to worry about so much about playing defense. Because you've done a good job on the offense. You made sure they got involved and they got and they learned and you went home and say, What'd y'all learn at church this morning? What are y'all doing tonight? What are y'all doing on that mission trip? What's that class involved in? Are you listening to those kind of things? A lot of times they have little drawings in class. You know where they are? They're out here in the hall in the pews. <laughs> it's just a thought. I want you to think about this, okay, because it's very important. I may not ever get another shot. I'm taking advantage of this today as we talk about our children. I want you to hear my heart today. And so, these are very important things that we need to learn. It's why God led Solomon to write Proverbs 22.1. Would you turn there with me? Proverbs chapter 22. Now, when I preach a message like this, and when I preach strong, bold like this, Automatically, you start putting up your defenses. Oh, he's preaching at us. Or, I blew it in that stage. That's okay. Go to the next stage. Don't quit. Don't give up. We've all blown it. I'm going to share with you in a moment some things that I blew in those stages. So we've all blown it, but don't quit. Don't give up. Start today. Start today. This message is here to help us. And so I pray that we'll start today. Proverbs 22 Look at it with me. I love this passage of Scripture. Look at verse 1, for instance. Proverbs 22, 1. This is uh, uh, Solomon. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. What do you mean? A good home. A good name. A good Christian home. A godly family. Godly children. Those are to be cherished and chosen over fame and fortune. Well, I want this good career. I want a good career too. Amen? 
But I want a godly son. I want a godly daughter. I want a godly home. I want to teach them in a godly environment. And then God will take care of those things. When I launch them out, I'm praying God's blessing over them. That we've taught them and instilled in them the biblical worldview. And taught them in an early age. And they're cherishing that. And look in verse 6. Proverbs 22, 6. I quoted it a while ago. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Train up a child in the way they should go. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, he will not depart from it. From what? The training that you gave them at an early age. If you train them up and you teach them and you're consistent and you're constantly, like on the like it's Deuteronomy 6, if you're constantly asking them questions, making sure they're getting it, helping them with their Bible class, helping them with their study, all of those things, when you do that, you're instilling in them relevancy that it's important. Your, your Christianity, what you're gleaning is very important. Now, this... Proverbs 2, six is not written to be a promise. I've heard a lot of people call, call me on that and say, that's not a promise from God. Well, it's probably not, but I claim it as a promise. I have claimed it as a promise. Train up a child the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from that. That word train means, in the Hebrew words, hanak, H-A-N-A-K. It means putting to the mouth or affecting the taste. When you train them, you're affecting them. And so what happened was the Hebrew midwives would train the children to nurse by putting date syrup on their tongue, in their mouth. They put that date, and it would help the child to nurse. So they were training those children to nurse by helping them uh, with that date syrup, to help them to nurse. And that's what he, they carry the Hebrew language there, is to help affect them, to get them started, if you will. And that's what it means to train them up. Get them started in the Word. Get them started in learning memory verses. Get them started in learning about the Lord Jesus Christ. What you're doing is laying a foundation. We talked about it. Unless the Lord builds the house. You're laying a biblical, worldview, principle, foundation for your child to grow on and to learn. And when they're old, older... They won't depart from that. I don't know what happens to us in the teenage years. It's just something that happens. We go crazy. We do. We go crazy in teenage years. Well, all of us do. We're experiencing the world. We're experiencing hormones. We're experiencing all kind of stuff. And it's hard at that stage. But the more you pour into them, spiritually, training, biblical worldview, the more you put into them, the easier it gets. It really does. And you may not believe that, but I'm telling you, it's true. And so, what's happening in our society today is, well, I'm going to let my kids decide. I don't know what his last name is, Wade. The NBA, the NBA star, Wade, played for the Magic. I can't think of his name. What? Wayne Wade? Dwayne Wade. That's right, Dwayne Wade. Have you been reading about this? They have a young son... He's six years old, and his parents said, we're going to let him decide what gender he is. And he became a she. Six years old. He knew it, they said, at age three, that he wasn't really a boy, he's a girl. I believe it is. And they said, we're going to let him decide. Six years old. And that's what's happening. We're letting our children make decisions at young age that are crucial for them the rest of their lives. 
By the way, you are the parent. You are the parent. They'll become your best friends when they graduate. Until then, you're the parent. They're not going to like some of your decisions. Count on it. But remember, God gave them to you as the parent to train them and teach them. And we see so many things on TV. Every time I turn TV, the the teenagers just cursing the parent out. It's unbelievable. It's a new day, isn't it? But it's not a new word. The Bible never changes. And so we're to dedicate and train our children. This is why Proverbs 22.6 means so much to me. When I was a young parent, I got saved at 27 years old. I already had a daughter, Haley, who was about four years old or five when I got saved. And I blew some of those infant years. We didn't go to church. We didn't train her up in the house and in the Bible. We were partying on the weekends and things like that. And I blew some of those years. And I began to listen to James Dobson. When I got saved, I began to listen to James Dobson on the radio on Focus on the Family. I don't know why I just like the way he talked and what he tried to, he tried to help me raise my children. And I listened to him. This dad was listening. He preached or he spoke on Proverbs 22, 6 one day. And guess what? This dad was listening. And I heard what he said about this verse of scripture. And that's why I claimed it as my own. And so uh, on the screen, I want you to look at this on picture on the screen. I was working at Steelcase. And Jeff Bowman told me there was a guy that could draw real well, pencil drawing. He could draw from a, from a, 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 a billfold picture. His name's Mike Williams. And so I went to Mike Williams. I had a picture in my billfold. And I said, could you draw my two daughters? I just got saved. And, you know, I want my daughters to raise. And this, this verse of Scripture, I heard James Dobson preach on it, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Can you draw that? And he did. And there it is. That's when I think Joe Dare was three and Haley was nine or ten, somewhere there, two or nine or three or ten, somewhere like that. But look under it. I don't know how old they were. Still don't know how old they are. Amen? But I love them. Look under, you can't see it, but under that picture, here it is, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. Patch and I hung that over our fireplace on our mantle for years. It was a reminder, these kids are a gift from God, and we're to train them up in the way of the Lord. And we began to do that. We were at church every time the doors were open. I wasn't even pastoring. I was just a church member. I became a deacon and all of those things. But church was important to our family. We made sure our children were involved in the youth trips and things like that. It was, in, it was important to us that our children are raised in a godly home. And I'm not bragging on that. I am bragging on that. But I'm just saying it became important to our family. We were involved in things at school. We were involved in all kinds of sports too. But this was priority. Are y'all listening? It's priority. It comes down to that. And so I began to listen to James Dobson. I got this quote. It's in your outline and it's on the screen. I want you to listen to this quote from James Dobson. Children are not casual guests in our home. They have been loaned to us temporarily for the purpose of loving them and instilling a foundation of values on which the future lives will be built. I heard him say that on the radio. And it's in print. And that's what I heard him say that. They're not casual guests in our home. They're my children. I'm their parent. And I'm instilling them things. 
And so I want to close this sermon. I have about 10 minutes. I want to close this sermon on things I learned from James Dobson. I know he's not God, right? But he's anointed. I believe he taught on the family. And I'm a family person. And so here's a principle in your outline. Parents must learn to express their love for their children, not just through material things, but by emotional and spiritual teachings. Well, I'm going to buy them a new car. They're going to love me then. Oh, they'll like you then, really. But what happens years when the car is all gone and torn up and all that? What's happening then? You've got to buy them something else to keep them loving you. Why not just teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ and putting the love of God in them? Then they're going to really love you. I'm telling you. So here's four things I want to give you very quickly. Number one, James Dobson taught me this, affection. Affection. I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a family where we hugged. My mom and dad never hugged me. They really didn't. I mean, they, they loved me, but their parents didn't hug them, and we didn't hug and kiss in our family. But my wife did. And I saw it. I went, yuck. You kissed her in the mouth? You know what? I began to like it. I began to... I be, not just my wife, all right? <laughs> what are y'all thinking? I kiss her too. I mean, I kiss her real good. By the way, I'd already learned that. <laughs> but... She would kiss our daughters and hug on them. And her mother, Jolene's here, and they would kiss each other, her, her mom. And, and we never did that. And I began to learn that. And I began to do that with my daughters. I still do today. Y'all probably saw me kiss Joe there earlier. I kiss them right in the mouth. <laughs> they're, they're, they've accepted it, all right? I, and, uh, and my mom and dad, I taught my mom and dad this. I taught my mom and dad to hug. And I hugged them all the time. And, and, and we would just kiss them on the cheek. And, and now, uh, my, my dad, every time I would see my big old dad, he'd do like this. He never did that before. He had to talk. He taught some things. James Dobson taught me something. And my wife helped me learn this. Show affection to your children. Hug them. Kiss them. Embrace them. Squeeze them. And love on them. They're dying for that. They want affection. And so we got to do that. Studies say that mothers hug six times more than dads. So dads, we got to get on the ball. Number two, affirmation. Children long for affirmation. They love praise. Y'all found that out yet? They love praise and they love encouragement. And I'm telling you, they love those things. And when you love a child... And you show affirmation. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking out the garbage. Thank you for, you know, what you're doing. We really appreciate you and all that. You just think of them and praising them. And then comes discipline. And sometimes you have to discipline, discipline them because why? Because you love them. Are y'all listening? You know why you discipline your children? Well, they misbehave because you love them. You're teaching them. This is wrong. These are consequences. Wrong consequences. Wrong responsibilities. And I learned this from James Dobson. Joe Dare had messed up. And I told her, I said, Joe Dare, why'd you do that? And she said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I said, okay, you know what that means? She said, yes, sir. And, and I said, here's what it means. I want you all to listen to this because you never hear it. Young people, you've never heard this. Just listen. Oh. 
My pants fell off. Y'all listen, here it goes. What's wrong? Oh, I got my thing on here. Pull my sound off. Now, I heard this many a time growing up. Now, I know some of you liberals are going to say, what is he doing? He's punishing these kids, corporal punishment. Remember, Bradley, when I got that email one time? I spoke on something like this, and I got a dirty email. You're teaching corporal punishment down there at the church. Well, I'm teaching the Bible. Spoil the child, spare the rod. Amen. Anyway, I was talking. Now, listen. So, Joe Dare messed up. This is old school. Years ago, I said, Joe Dare, you, you know you did wrong. Yes, sir. You know what that means? So we taught her. She said, yes, sir. I said, I'm going to have to give you a spanking. She said, I know it. I don't want it. <laughs> I said, I know. I don't want to give it to you. You ever heard that? It hurts me more than does you. It really does. When you get a parent, you'll find that out. But it did. I said, all right, come in your bedroom. She went in her bedroom. I said, lay across the bed. She said, okay. She laid across the bed. And she just kind of did like this. Now, it was hurting me so bad. So I got my belt off. Just what I just did. Here's what I did. Listen to this. I said, all right, you ready? She said, yeah. And here's what I did. And she's wondering, what in the heck's going on? And I said, Joe, there, turn around. She turned around. I said, you know what? Your daddy took your licks for you. You deserved them. You, you made the best. Yes, sir, I did. You know you deserve three licks? Yes, sir. But your daddy just took those licks from you. Because that's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He took your sin. It should have been me on that cross. But Jesus took our sin. I learned that from James Dobson. I heard him tell that one time. And I learned it. I practiced it. And it worked. I don't think she got a spanking sense. She needed a few, but she didn't get one since then. <laughs> we worked it out. We worked it out. Number three, attention. Attention. Children desire attention. By the way, you ever heard this? Y'all watch this. <laughs> they want you to watch, parent. They want you to look at them. Did I do good? I heard my grandkids say this before, and my children, you may have heard this. Daddy, did I do good? Mama, did I do good? You know what they're saying? Affirmation. They want your approval. They really want mom and dad's approval. Did I do good? Am I doing good? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're doing great. We're proud of you. You're affirming to them the, the attention they need, but also the affirmation that they need. And they really do need that. We express our love to our children by giving them time and attention. And so, we give them that. Listen, we, we affirm them. We give them attention. And we give them affirmation and attention because we love them. Not so they'll perform for us. Well, you got a home run today. I'm so proud of you. What about when they struck out? Well, I'm not so proud of you anymore. Well, you should have hit it and you teach them how to hit. Get in the backyard and teach them not to strike out. Right? And so... What happens is we get all over our kids instead of affirming them and giving them affirmation and giving them uh, the attention that they need, we begin to scold them. Not long ago, let me share this with you. Last year, my two oldest grandsons, Chase and Luke, grew up, grew up wrestling. They were wrestlers. Not on TV type wrestling. This is, you know, that sports here. And some of you know what I'm talking about. They were wrestling. And boy, it was kind of hard at first. His grandma watched their face getting twisted and all that. And so anyway, uh, Chuck had, 
would really work with them. He wrestled in school, and he would work with them and work with them at home and all that, and they were really good. They really were. They were really good at young age. They started like five years old, and I mean, they were... Chase was third in the state one time, and Luke was state champion at like six, seven years old, and all that, because they worked with him. But listen, Lincoln, my other youngest grandson, he started wrestling last year. And so we went to one of his matches, and this is what happened. I, I'm, I'm observing. I'm one of those guys that just sit back and watch people. But I noticed two or three times, I noticed this before, but this one guy, his little boy, little, kind of little chubby little boy, he was wrestling this one guy, and this one guy was good. He could wrestle. And his son was wrestling this other little boy. He was trying with everything he had. He was just, his veins were popping out. He was sweating. And you could tell he was giving everything he had. And when he got through, he just walked over to his dad. And his dad gave him the worst chewing out you've ever heard. I don't know what he said, but it's probably something like this. You're pitiful. Why didn't you, why didn't you win? Why didn't you do get this? And the little boy started crying. You could just see him. He was just doing like this. And his dad was berating him. And I promise you, it took everything I could do not to go there and say something that day. I'm telling you, I was so ticked off. He kept on. Everything looked at him like this. Little boy looked up at him. He'd walk off. Come back. And then he went over to his mother. The next stage, she started doing it. I said, that little boy's heart's breaking. They're not affirming him. They're berating him because he's not good enough. He's not better than the other boy. And the reason I say that with such passion, I was just like that. When Haley was about five or six, seven years old, she was involved in sports, and I wanted her to be the best. I wanted her to be better than the other kids. It was an ego trip. And I wanted her to be the best, and she'd mess up in the game, and I'd carry her home and get her in the backyard, and I'd just, wore, just throw her hard to her, and play in soccer, and I'd kick it right, and hit her in the stuff. It still haunts me today. The kind of dad I was at that stage. And I just, it was, I just wanted her to be the best. Better than your kid. And we got a lot of dads in here like that. Or on that stage or on that road. Don't do it to your kid. I'm just so blessed that Haley turned out the way she did. In spite of her dad. And then I got saved and I started listening to James Dobson and Joe Dare was a beneficiary of that because I treated her differently than I did Haley as a lost dad. But I'll never forget those times when I was so ugly and stupid and all of that over a ball game. I want my kid to be the best. If that helps you, I hope it does. And then number four, the last one, is the uh, application. I hope we apply a biblical worldview to our kids and they learn from it and then we get to apply it. In other words, parent, practice what you preach. Right? Practice what you preach. And so if you want your kids to be that, then you you be that. If you don't want them to be that, you don't be that. Amen? That's teaching them. It's very important. Uh, I have a few other things, but I'm going to close with this. You can close your Bible. Go ahead and close your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone. Quit texting. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm going to share something as I close. I had something by James Dobson, but I'm going to skip that. I want to get to this. 
I got a lot of spiritual heroes. When I was growing up as a young dad, I blew a lot of things. Yeah, I just told you one thing. That's just one incident that I was terrible at. A dad. And then a husband, I was even worse. Until I met Jesus and I began listening to people like James Dobson and others. Another one of my spiritual heroes was Chuck Swindoll. I love listening to Chuck Swindoll. He taught me a lot too. He wrote something that I wrote it down today and I'm going to share it with you. Listen to what Chuck Swindoll said. Someday when the kids are grown, things are going to be different. The garage won't be full of bikes and sawhorses and unfinished projects, two-by-fours and rabbit cages and skateboards. In fact, you might even be able to get your car parked inside. When the kids are grown, Mom will have time to get dressed leisurely. She will even have time to do her nails, even her toenails if it pleases. Without answering a dozen questions and reviewing spelling words, she will have time to get her hair done without having to squeeze in between racing a sick cat to the vet and a trip to the orthodontist. Someday when your kids are grown, the thing that they call a telephone will actually be available for use. <laughs> this is the old school phone, okay, not the iPhone. It won't look like it's growing from your teenager's ear. It will simply hang there, amazingly available, free of lipstick, saliva, mayonnaise, and chocolate chip cookie crumbs. When your kids are grown, we won't run out of toilet paper or have to answer, Daddy, is it a sin for you to drive 65 in a 50-mile-an-hour zone? Or you want to wait up until late in the night when they get home from dates or have to take a number to get a word in the supper table, get a word in at the supper table. Yes, someday it's going to be a lot different when the kids are grown. The house will begin to resemble order and even have a touch of elegance. The echo of the fireplace will crackle through the hallway. The phone will be silently, strangely silent. The house will be quiet and calm, always clean and empty. And filled with memories and lonely. And we won't like that at all. And we will spend our time not looking forward to someday, but looking back at yesterday and thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful to have the kids back in the home and get some life back in, in, in this place for a change? I'm old now. I've been where these young couples were. And I've made a lot of mistakes along my journey. But I've also learned a lot of great lessons that I've tried to still in you in my 28 years here as your pastor. It's only going to be effective if you apply it. You can hear a sermon like this and leave out, go to lunch, forget it. Not going to do you any good. But if you apply, apply some of these teachings and trainings that your pastor has been teaching you over the years and listen to people like I listen to James Dotson and Chuck Swindoll, if you'll find you some godly heroes and let them pour into your life, I promise you it'll make a difference. It'll make a difference. You'll be a better dad. You'll be a better mom and a better granddad and a better grandmother. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will teach you, parent and grandparent and even kids, how to develop a biblical worldview so you can focus on the Word of God and how you're to respond and how you're to live within the perimeters and the borders and the boundaries of God's holy word. And when you do that, when you learn that, parent, you're on your way to raising champions for Christ. 
Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for, Lord, that we can preach and teach and learn, apply these things into our heart and lives today. Lord, we've made so many mistakes. We're your children. Lord, I know I've made so many mistakes, and I'm not preaching down. I'm preaching up because I've made terrible mistakes. But I've learned, as an older guy now, I'm learning more and more. And I'm praying for these parents. Some of these young parents we saw on stage and others, their kids are in various stages, as we mentioned. And I pray they wouldn't be all about defense, that they would teach their children offense, what to put on and what to put in to their hearts and minds at an early stage. And let the church help them. Find a good church. Find a good class. Find some spiritual mentors. And learn to discipline and love and nurture our children the way the Word tells us. And then our society will grow. And it'll be godly. And we'll develop a biblical worldview. And so, Lord, I'm praying for this invitation. There's some here that need to be saved. There's some dads here that need to be saved. Some moms. Maybe grandparents. And, Lord, some children, teenagers need to be saved. So I pray they would come today and receive Christ. And then if they need to make any type of decision, join in the church. This is a good church. It's going to teach them and train them and help them. I pray they would come today and say, I want to be a part of this church. And maybe they want to pray at the altar. Lord, bless this invitation. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? And anything you need to do that Bradley or myself or Josh or any of us can help you with, that's why we're up here. Why, why would you ask me to come publicly? Because everyone Jesus called, he called publicly. Now, you can make a decision on your own right in your pew. That's fine. But if we can help you, that's why we're up here to help you. So as we sing, we'll invite you to come. You come on right now as we sing. Oh, let the sun.